<laughs> Every time. Got him. Yep. You know I like to keep it spicy. We're recording. <laughs> hey, welcome back everybody to the Pilgrims and Prodigals podcast. Yet again, excited to be with you for another round of talking. <laughs> and you listening and surprise recording that Ben doesn't know about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. It's, oh, like, it's, it's literally like if the uh, a football game... <laughs> you never knew when it was going to start. The players are just out there talking. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the referee blows the whistle. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. Go. Go. You get over there. You get it. <laughs> yeah. So if you can imagine how football would look in that instance, you know how our podcast looks every time it starts. It's it's partially my fault. <laughs> partially. I'll take the blame for that. <laughs> what, what part is not your blame? <laughs> I mean, the computer program tells it what to do once I click the button, so I, I blame it on the computer, really. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Gotcha. Fair enough. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. It has been a minute. It's been a hot minute since we've been on here. It's like, what, two weeks since we put an episode up? Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah. Two weeks. Anyways, we've missed you guys, and I haven't even checked on the downloads lately, but... I don't even care, man. I can pull it up. Yeah. But we don't care, so I'm not going to. I just wanted to tell everyone I could pull it up. <laughs> he, could. he has the capability <laughs> of pulling it up. But, uh, yeah. So, it, we're back in the studio again. It's just me and Ben. Um, studio, a.k.a. my extra bedroom. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're just chilling here. Don't have much to talk about today. We're just going to talk and see where the conversation goes. See what happens here. That's so. not typical of this podcast. We never do that. We never we are the most structured thing ever. <laughs> Wait, more structured than what's something that's really structured? Wait, uh, I won't say church. <laughs> Wait, are we more like, structured than church? Are no. we are we so against church that we don't even like to structure our own podcast because that's how much we hate structure? You know, I got to be honest with you. I think that's beyond religion. Uh, I have never liked structure yeah. in my whole life. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely something I've always lacked, for yeah, sure. Yeah, is that I would much rather... Life is more beautiful when you're just flying on the waves. Flying on the waves. I'm sorry, you, I totally interrupted Ben in the middle of his you don't, you sentence. You don't fly there. on waves. You don't, you don't fly on waves, you surf on them. You ride yeah. the waves. But yeah, I would much rather ride the waves than... Uh, Calculate the... course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calculate the... Uh, exact angle that the wave is going to crest and figure out which way to hit it. Exactly. I don't need a compass. I need Moana. That's how I traverse the ocean of life. I just, <laughs> you hold your hand up to the sky, look at the stars. Yeah. We're pretty much going in the right direction. Yeah. That's how I feel about life. Yeah, man. Uh, speaking of that, man, I had a good time last night. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Me and me, Nate and Brent. You've met him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went on a little camping trip and. I've actually been getting some some gear together and getting ready for a trip that we're taking later this month, actually. Sick. Yeah, we're taking like a three-day trip down to uh, Monroe State Park or something like that. How far away is that? Like an hour or something away. Oh, right on. Yeah, it's not that bad. But uh, we're doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and there's like a 13-mile loop we're going to hike in two days, and which isn't too bad. I mean, it's Yeah, 13 a, miles in two days isn't that like bad. It's like a slow walk. Yeah. <laughs> but... We're just going to camp out and... It's like know. three hours of walking, probably a day, three and a half, four maybe. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, we had a good time last night, other than the fact that it freaking rained on me all night long. Dude, it started raining at one o'clock last night. Yeah? And it did not stop at all. Were you in a tent camping? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I had so a shelter. Gonna... Like, we built shelters and oh, stuff okay. like then, that. Oh, okay. Then you're good, bro. That was just like... Yeah, you're good unless you have, like, one side open and you're getting rained on. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so gotcha. I woke up and there was, like, a puddle around me. And, if you were if you yeah. were Bear Grylls, it wouldn't have happened. You would exactly. Have no, I'm just kidding. I would have just told the water to move. Yeah, you would have just gotten in the helicopter that's always nearby. And it would have obeyed me. <laughs> huh? Yeah, that was good. That was good. I like where you go with that. That's good. You could have been, like... Yeah. Even the rain and shelters obey him. No. Uh-huh. But anyways, that's kind of 
I did that. And honestly, man, I haven't really been doing much lately. Just prepping for that. And uh, we got a new computer today, so that's, that's sick. Tight. Sick. It was kind of like a way too spur of the moment thing. Like we were trying to get her program running on this, and it just this computer is kind of old. Yeah. So it's probably like a two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Dang, bro. And not that's that. old, bro. It's no, not that's that old. old. That's ten years. I don't like, know how old it is. It's, it's. I mean, it's running Windows ten, so it can't be that old. Yeah. There's no way it's ten years old. I don't think. And maybe it's at least a few years old because it runs kind of sluggish sometimes. But. uh yeah, so I'm just like, you know what? Let's just go buy a new one. Sick. Yeah. My life has been pretty eventful. I think I... Did I tell you about this at Family Family Monday? Or your job? At my job, yeah. Let's hear about it. So, brief recap. If you've been listening to the podcast, my job has been all hey, over the place okay. uh, yeah. recently. So, to, to summarize the story, I've been at this company for about five years, four and a half, somewhere in there. And... I feel like we should start like a mini segment about your job. Like, like just what's happening. Yeah, yeah, you just rant about your job yeah. and keep us up to date on the <laughs> latest drama. Well, see, the thing <laughs> is that I, I, I don't know how much – there's probably going to be plenty more drama, honestly. So yeah, I, I want to say it's over, but I don't think it is. Uh, so really quickly, I work for a company and I'd worked there for almost five years. Four years of my working there had been in a management position as a trainer. Okay. So I was looking to move up the ranks to a supervisor. And uh, so I applied and applied and applied and I was never getting the position. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, we need you to go to a different department and prove that you can be a supervisor over there. It's easier to be a supervisor over there, which it's really not. But they are like, go over there and prove yourself. So I went over there and I ran in the top 10 in the site out of like 35 people. I was in the top 10. Had nice. never done the job before, just proved myself. And then uh, there was like a bid for positions. And I was told that I was going to get the ninth pick out of all the supervisor shifts. Out of 35? 35. 35 shifts. I had performed well enough to earn the ninth Dude, slot. That's sick, bro. Yeah. And so then after, after the bid, before the bid, someone came to me and was like, hey, I've got a spot for you over here in this department you've always wanted to work in as a supervisor. And I'm like, oh, sick. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So I went for it. And they were like, all right. As far as I'm concerned, it's already done. And then at the end of the day, after everyone's already bid the spots out, they're like, no, you can't do that. We're sorry. And I'm like, well, so what do I get? You get 35th <laughs> pick, whatever the last slot is. That's you, buddy. You get the slot that even the worst guy didn't want. Yeah, the worst guy didn't <laughs> want this. And so, Mr. Ninth Round Pick, you get that garbage that's left over. Yeah. And the schedule didn't work for my family. So, I'm like, whoa, I just got screwed. So, I would rather go back to being a trainer. I'll take a step back down. Mm -hmm. And then, essentially, the vibe I got from training was... Uh, you're not really motivated to be here anymore. We know you don't want to work in this department. You're just here because the schedule didn't work for you. So we're going to demote you even further. And I'm like, bro, that ain't, that that's ain't. cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. That's great. I appreciate it. So then I obviously wasn't okay with that. Everyone knows I'm not okay with that. And so I was like, look, at the end of it all, just I'm trying to get this position to be a supervisor in the department I want to be in. Yeah. And and whatever you're going to do to me, just put me in a position where I can attain that. Mm. And I kept getting discouraged away from it. No, don't worry about that. That's not a good goal, blah, blah, blah. And so finally, I just went to the general manager and was like, just be honest with me. Tell me you don't want me to have the position. Because there were people with like one year of experience getting promoted to that position on a daily basis. Yeah. And so basically, I took everything that had been told to me throughout that whole experience of why I couldn't have the position and this and that. And I just... Went to the general manager and was like, no, none of that is true. There's no good reason that I shouldn't have this position. And I pressed the issue. We got some other bosses around mm. him involved. And after 25 minutes That's of, pretty ballsy, man. I mean – I mean, I was, when you're when you're put in that spot, though, you got screwed like, I by did. the whole company I right there. I did, but I wasn't about to just lay down and like, well, you know, that's how life goes. The good guy finishes last. I'm like, fam, I am not the I am not the one. I am not that good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, there might be good guys that finish last. I'm not that one. Well, there, I think guy. there's a there's a difference between being a good guy and being a passive guy. I totally agree. Because you that. can be a good by a good guy and still be like 
bruh, this is not right. Yeah, this isn't yeah. happening. So I that, that's basically the stance I took on it. It was like I wasn't going to force my way, but I was. I just wanted an honest answer. I was like, hey, just tell me the truth. You just don't like me and you don't want me to have the position. If you tell me that, I'll walk out of this office knowing that the truth, that it wasn't my fault and there's nothing more I could have done. Yeah. So just say that to me. And after 25 minutes of pressing hard to get him to just be honest with me and tell me that he didn't want me to have the position, he just threw up his hands and was like, guys, make him a supervisor. And he like shook my hand and was like, I'm not happy about how this happened. But I'm uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing that? Like, he, he felt like you. I was trying to get one over on him to get the position. Literally, I just want, I just wanted what was originally offered to me. Yeah. And I've presented facts until and he I was, still didn't give you an answer he was just like uh here you go uh you win yeah yeah that's exactly what happened what what else did you say he said like nice chess play or something like that Yeah, he was like i, I you manipulated this situation in your favor is basically what he said and i'm like nope nope just just kept asking for what i was promised yeah it's it's literally like like if you went to i went out to eat and you paid for the greatest, like, rarest lobster steak dinner ever. And then they handed you the normal, like, sirloin and lobster from Walmart. Um, yeah. Actually, that's not what I was promised I would get for my pay. You know what I paid? Yeah. And then them being like, well, I mean, sorry. And then just not accepting that's that. What, you get the steak that uh, not even the last guy wanted. <laughs> no, and then, and then just, like, continuing to ask for what? I was promised and what I wanted. Uh, like to You're me, like, bro, to this me, is not a lobster. This is a crawfish. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like, what is like, going on here? I don't feel like I stepped out of line. Yeah. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have. No, no, I didn't say. I, no. feel, I feel completely good about everything. I, I mean, from what it, it sounds like, you, you did the right thing there. I mean, I could have just got upset and like called HR and been like, rah, 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 so mad and, you know, like reported everything. I didn't do that. I just honestly ask for what i was promised yeah i don't see anything wrong with that at all i mean sometimes you got to fight for it yep but it just felt good Mm -hmm. to challenge the system with integrity and let and integrity wins it's crazy it's crazy like how much politics is in the workplace Mm -hmm. did i remember when i went through my whole scuffle with my new job and i talked about on the podcast at one time but yeah with your time card and stuff yeah and then Somehow this lie got around that I was going around saying that this job is so easy a trained monkey could do it. So then like I had to earn back the favor of my entire crew and go to each person individually. And yeah, there's just so much politics I don't in the know workplace. You. Why does there have to be like I get paid to go to work, do my job and go home in my personal lives, my personal life. I don't. I don't give a crap about fiber optics. I I could care less. Like I don't I'm not coming home thinking about, oh man, so how do I be a better fiber splicer? Like I, I I'll I'll do my I'm job. I'm sure you do think about that every once in a while. I do no, I do, but from like a person like I don't come home and I'm not studying it for my own enjoyment is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I do want to be the best that I can be at my job for sure. But it's not a my job is not a hobby of mine, you know, but yeah, no, I just think that I think some people just get way too into their jobs and it's kind of intense. Like if you really love what you're doing, yes. But like for me, I like the money. I love the money that they pay me and I like the people. They're all cool. My boss is cool. As long as you do your job and, you know, stick to it, you're good. But like I said, I'm not coming home and studying fiber optics like I play video games or podcast or yeah. do music. I'm fair enough. Yeah, you know, I'm not getting some kind of like enjoyment out of it. Like I enjoy the money and I enjoy the job. It's fun. The, it's probably the best job I've ever had for sure, but I'm not like It's probably I'm not because we're living to do it. It's probably because we're humans and not robots. Like if we were robots, we would just go to work and do our job and never even there there's literally no reason. Mm. for any interaction at your job above what you get paid to do 
No. Uh, like that is – that's it. You get paid to do this thing. There doesn't need to be conversations. There doesn't need to be friendships. There doesn't need to be any of that. But because we're humans and we like friends, we like to get the most out of a situation that we can, I, I, I'm willing to say that politics is just a uh, byproduct of a human needs you know what I mean? Like yeah. the human element of any of any job you do is just politics. That's yeah. kind of what it boils down to, and it can be good politics or it can be bad politics. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, usually it's bad politics, unfortunately, because the human element isn't the sweetest element that's ever been introduced into society. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you see the politics everywhere, like even in church, you know. Yep. Yep. God dang it! And that's the worst. That's the worst place that you could put. Yeah. extra human characteristics into uh, I don't know it just depends on your perspective I guess because like church is for the human element to help it and make it better but when you allow the negative aspects of the human element exactly. to overpower the positive influence that yeah. church can have and that happens way too often in jobs and churches and marriages mm. and like I mean everything I mean it's the power struggle I think when when we're talking about politics, if we're talking about specifically like politics, politics and church, it's the power struggle, honestly. Yeah, but I think it's the power struggle in like your job too. Like yeah. people just want more influence. They want more pay. They want more this. They want more that. In marriages, I even think it's a power struggle. One person wants to be in control. We do what I want to do. I get what I want. I meet my needs. It can it could be like that, yeah. I mean, the negative aspect of it. Yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> but like, it's just, it's a part of the human condition that we, I think personally it comes from a lack of an ability to be satisfied and content mm -hmm. with life. And so you start seeking more and taking from other people and that requires politics. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, I did the same thing and I, I don't think I did, played politics in a bad way when I was in church, but... I definitely played the political game, you know, taking steps to become, get on the stage and to get better at music, start leading songs, you know, pushing for leading sets. And, you know, I played the politics of becoming wor a worship leader. Yeah, yeah. I, I played it, but I won't lie, like, but I don't think I necessarily had it. it's not bad to play politics. Like, yeah, I mean, some of it is just like. I really want to give more. Can I have the opportunity? Or I really would like to mm -hmm. grow. Can I have the opportunity? Playing politics for growth and playing politics for, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. It's not wrong. Like you just wanted to be more involved. You're like, exactly. can I be involved more? You weren't after the, I want the power. That's not like, that's yeah. not what you were thinking when you played those politics. Well, the thing is like, even if you look at politicians, they're not all in it for the bad for no, a bad yeah, reason. Absolutely. Some of I mean, I mean look probably at the probably no, the I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> look, look all right, Hillary, I had a point there. Look, look and, uh, Hillary Clinton. She's not in it for the power at all. No, not at all. It's <laughs> no, all, sorry, it's all you, for the people. You make your point. I'm sorry. No. Why that, did I do that? That was good. That was funny. <laughs> That's funny. But I would say probably the majority of politicians are in it to be public servants and to be for the people. But I think in the same way that like when we look at pastors or churches, like a few ruin it for the whole batch. It's the same way in politics, I think. <sighs> so true. Because politics is a good thing. It's yeah. just that when we get the wrong people oh, governing, so it's, it's not good. So it's like it's like the selfish kid. Like I imagine a room full of kids and one of them takes a toy from someone else. And so the other one that lost his toy starts crying and trying to grab the toy. And then the selfish one who took it originally is like, look at this guy. He's trying to take my toy. He's mm -hmm. the bad guy. And and the good guy's like, that's my freaking toy. You took it. I'm the good guy. And you're like, no, he's and the no bad one knows guy. Right. He's trying to take it from me. And then we just, all we have is, bam, instantly created two sides of an argument. And then people side up and then we go at it. And <sighs> humans are just freaking messed up, man. Yeah. Well, it's like I saw there's this picture that I see circulate every once in a while. It's kind of like a meme or whatever. And uh, it's like the you've seen it like a million times the six on the ground or the nine or whatever it is. And the two people on different sides. Yeah. Yeah. 
just because I'm wrong doesn't mean, or just because I'm right doesn't mean you're wrong. And then you see it like crossed out and it's like, actually, someone's got to be wrong. And it's the truth. Yeah. I mean, if there's some, if there's a number painted on the ground, Mm -hmm. someone was, someone painted it there. And it's like, you got to look at the correlation of everything around it and see what's what. So I, I don't know, like the, this is just the definition of arguments. And, and I yeah. feel like in the modern day age, mar- arguments are just so back and forth. You've got facts to back up both sides that you mm-hmm. can never really get anywhere. Yeah. It no. all comes down to just which side you want to land on. Especially. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, I mean, with politics, with theology, with all kinds of, because there's, tons of like theological arguments that sway both ways and they all have like biblical backing so yeah yeah it's i i personally i think that there is a truth out there but like not not everyone feels that way you know what i mean like there's plenty of people who are like no it it could be a six or it could be a nine i mean and there is no ultimate truth there's people that would argue that point i'm not one of them because it doesn't necessarily make sense to me but yeah, there's, there's, see, there you go. There's another division. People that think, no, the six and the nine can be whatever you want. <laughs> no, no, it has to be one or the other. And then we just further divide ourselves based on a divide a, that we were trying to talk about. Yeah. It all stems from like, it's so complicated. It, it all, it all stems from dissatisfaction though. If we could just be satisfied with what we have, we'd be so much less concerned with what everybody else has and what they think and yeah, for all sure. that stuff. So I don't know how we got into all that, but that's, yeah, that got deep. I don't know what happened. <laughs> that was a <laughs> fun little conversation. Yeah. So something I want to talk about. So earlier this week, I had a conversation with a pastor, and it was kind of how like, dare you? Yeah. <laughs> it was in the most, um, like it was in, in a way that you would not. It was the most unimaginable way that you think it would have happened. So there's this guy who works with me. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually worked with them before Thursday. So we're on this job together and... Is he new? No. No, oh, he, he's, he's been there 15, 16 years. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, he's been there a while. Or even longer, maybe. I'm not sure. But anyways, we're sitting here talking and somehow the topic of God comes up. So I start talking about uh, like my experience with church. And he's like, oh, by the way, I'm a pastor. I'm like... What? <laughs> what? Like, what's what's going on here? He's like, yeah, I work at AT and T, and then I'm also a pastor as well, and I pastor Good for church. that guy. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. And he's got a super, he's got a super cool heart. Um, he, he's a good guy. And even when we were talking, he's like, I want to take notes mentally from what you're saying, um, based off the way that you know you're saying that this pastor acted and stuff, because it's easy to get down that trail mm-hmm. and he's like I'm, i want to take notes from you because i don't want to become that guy he's only been pastoring two years gotcha yeah he took over took over a church uh and yeah he's been doing that for about two years now cool. but uh yeah we just had a really good conversation about my experience and uh i think it was really cool like because he had a really positive he had a positive note on all of it. You know, he's he's like, I understand you're hurt and I understand everything you've been through. But at the same time, like you've got to you've got to understand, too, that church is still good. It's still something that is like prescribed in the Bible. And uh, he's like he, he's like, you know, something that I've never really been able to let go of is a scripture that talks about, you know, don't forsake the gathering of the this assembly or whatever like that yeah yeah but he he doesn't look at it in a religious way in like a mindless religious way he really believes it and he really tries to be the best pastor that he could be and i don't know i feel like if there's more pastors like that out there who are willing to work full-time jobs and take minuscule wages and not that he deserves to have a minuscule wage but the fact that he's willing to do it shows his heart to me exactly like he's in it for the right reasons he wants to help people and in our culture that's just a healthier position to have is one that where you're like you don't depend on the church for financial security is a really healthy way for a pastor to be in our culture yeah and we were talking about a little bit 
and he gave me this uh, example of his life from that he thought kind of symbolized what the experience that I kind of went through and how a couple things that I could have not necessarily done wrong, but steps that were kind of unnecessary if I had already diagnosed the issue with that church. So he was talking about he had a family member who had um, who had cancer, and they started doing chemo on her, but it like messed with her heart, gave her like a heart disease. Okay. So they had her on a transplant list, but they could not transplant the heart until the chemo was done because because uh, yeah, you would just uh, yeah, you'd be putting a good a good heart into a bad situation, mm-hmm. and it would just ruin the new heart as well. Gotcha. So. He was talking to me about, um, you know, he was like, if you, you know, saw all these issues and you tried to talk to the pastor and all this stuff, like, I think you kind of hurt yourself by staying so long and all, and, and, uh, you were trying to implement a new heart into a situation that was already corrupt. You know, you were trying to change, you were trying to change something that, needed to be you were trying to put a new heart in something that needed to be dealt with first so i don't know like it was it was how do you deal with that problem that we had there like i i I, that's just a curious question i would have asked the guys so like what would have what could we have done just just like left like took the heart out (laughs) well my understanding from that conversation is that the problem was was with the leadership and that there was a cancerous issue going on that was causing people to turn away mm-hmm. and that they needed to be able to address that themselves instead of me berating and creating conflict and strife and trying to be like, no, this has, this isn't right. This has to be resolved. You got to fix this. You got to change that. If someone's not willing to accept help, they're not going to, it doesn't matter whether it's, your neighbor, your brother, your sister, or your pastor, like mm-hmm. you can tell someone all the problems in the world that are wrong with them. Yeah. But if they don't want, and you know, and I'm not saying like, Oh, so don't fight for people. Don't try to heal people. Don't try to help people. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, if your attempts are showing zero fruit, mm-hmm. then there's a point where you just got to, you know, over to God. Basically. Yeah. You got to pray about it. You got to walk away and just hope that something changes in that person. Because, like, my situation that I was in, like, I was trying to change the heart of the church. I was trying to, I was like, no, this is nepotistic. This is wrong. You're looking at this the wrong way. And I need you to change. And I needed, in in order for me to stay here, here's a list of a bunch of shit that needs to change around here. But that was the wrong way to go about it because they were not realizing in themselves that there was a heart problem. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I, I do. The other scripture that comes to mind in light of that is the, um, uh, the, I forget what it is. It's like kisses from an enemy are, are you know, deceitful, but wounds we, from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Yeah, wounds from a friend can be trusted is yeah. the translation that I'm thinking of. Like, forget whatever the first part of it says. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Mm. And I mean, I've never thought about it like this, but I legitimately was wanting to inflict a wound that could be trusted. You know, not like, hey, I am sorry, but you are wrong. And that's, I, I think that's what happened. I mean, you know, like the last conversation that I had in that was, <laughs> what I said was <laughs> to, after I was asked to basically not come back, take a sabbatical and not come back, um, was I said, someday you're going to have to stand before Jesus and explain why passionate men of God came to this church and broken sons walked out the other side. Yeah. And I wanted that. I want that wound to be trusted. That's like, I really, for the good of that pastor, I want, I want that to be trusted. I want that to be remembered. But and, and that was good for you. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that I was right no, it was, or anything. I'm no, what I'm saying is it was a, you were right in the spot that you were in. 
because you didn't push yourself to the point where it hurt you yeah, okay, to inflict I those wounds. I see what you're saying. Yeah, for me, it was a little bit different because I pushed myself to the point where I had offense and hurt and all the stuff that I had to deal with myself. Yeah. Because okay. because of the simple fact that I stayed there too long. That's fair. So, you know, and, and the pastor, that guy that I was talking to, he was like, he told me that. He was like, honestly, I think you stayed too long. I yeah. think he's like, because look, because where you're at now is for all the time that you spent there mm-hmm. in pain and hurt, now you have to spend all that time recouping before you can go back. Yeah. So, That's true. Because the healing has to be there. But the longer you stay in a painful situation, the longer the healing process. Yeah. So what you're saying is that if like, I see where he's coming from now. That makes that makes it make so much more sense. Is that? Yeah, he's not saying don't fight for your church or don't fight for the people that you care about and stuff like that. He's saying that there's got to be a realistic point where it's like, all right, is this really doing anything? Yeah, because it's like, not. I just need to pray about it and hope that God opens their eyes and step away from the situation myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you're if you're in a situation trying to help it and make it better, and you push so hard that you end up hurting yourself to where you're no help anymore, mm-hmm. it does no good. So don't do that. That's what, I think that's wisdom. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So that's kind of how that conversation went, and we. It was a lot longer than that, dude. We talked for probably two or three hours. That's cool, man. Just standing there. I wish yeah. I'd meet pastors at my work. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell people at work that I got kicked out of church <laughs> because it's just so much harder. It's so many more words to explain what really happened. The easy way for people to understand what happened is just for me to say I got kicked out. Just yeah. so everybody knows, clear in the air here, I did not technically get kicked out of my church, but... To say it in few words to people that don't know the situation or don't know church terms, mm. uh, I just say I got kicked out of church and everybody's like, oh my gosh, tell me the story, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I've never had a pastor be like, ooh, I'm interested. I also have advice for you. Yeah. I've had pastors like, I told one guy, I was like, I made a podcast about my frustrations with uh, <laughs> re- religious, uh, organized religion. And he was like, come on, man. I'm a freaking minister. What do you? What, what, what's your problem? And I'm like, uh, we could talk about it, or you could just listen to the podcast. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, he was like, he, uh, he was like, I, I just don't understand. So, but you're a Christian, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian. He's like, I just. Uh, it does not compute a, in my brain. Yeah, he's like, Christianity is an organized religion. So how can you have a problem with? And I'm like. It was just some corrupt stuff going on. And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, that's terrible. I agree. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we didn't really have a real conversation yeah. about it. But that sounds like you had a super dope conversation with that guy. That's legit. You know what kind of sucks, though, is like every pastor will admit that that stuff is terrible. But, like, do you see any pastors out there advocating against it? And maybe I'm just not looking close enough, but I've never really, I don't know. Like no one's out there calling a spade a spade and being like. Yeah, yeah. No one's out there going there. You don't see a lot of pastors out there going, this is what's wrong with church. Be, yeah, but they, true. they all know it. It's true. I mean, but like maybe there are, they're just the small pastors yeah, that's because what I'm saying. I haven't done research into it, so I'm not sure completely. Everyone that's close to a, a big microphone or has a lot of influences, I mean, they're they're wrapped up in it. They they couldn't talk about it without it doing harm to their lifestyle. Yeah, their whole life. Yeah, is, like is in that church. Like no no mega pastor could say, <laughs> "I sold my mansion and gave the money to the poor." <laughs> April Fools. <laughs> Because they, I mean, to a certain extent, really great pastors that have built awesome ministries deserve a reward. Yeah. But then on the other hand, if you can't speak pure, honestly, and openly about your life and where you're at, it's just weird. You don't need to keep secrets and be all 
godlike. To, never mind. This is a this is a big rabbit trail. We, no, you're good. We I can't just, afford we can't afford to go down that rabbit. I was just trail. thinking about some. So the guy I was talking to kind of put me on the spot too because we got to talking oh, about. This is great. I love putting people on the spot. What happened? <laughs> no, he put me on the spot. No, I know. I'm excited. <laughs> so we were talking about like the pastor salary thing, and I was telling him about like Uh-oh. you know how much money so and so made at yeah so and so place. <laughs> Look at us. And he, so I know, so modest today. <laughs> We're so PC. Look at us. But anyways, he's like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. And but he's like, how? He's like, let me ask you a question. How much money do you think a pastor should make? And I'm like, well, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be rude. But honestly, <laughs> I, I think mean, I can tell you. <laughs> I think a pastor should make whatever the congregation is willing to pay. Oh, like whatever. Fair. Whatever, like, see, the, where we were at, it's like, if there ever was a raise, I was never aware of it. Yeah. It was never, in it. like, I never, the whole time I was there, every business meeting I went to, mm-hmm. I never knew how much the pastor made. You know oh, what I'm man. saying? Like, it creates such a strange element. It is a strange element, but I feel like if you're paying someone for money, for w- with charity... Mm-hmm. that's being brought in like any other charity in the world they tell you where all that money is being transferred to they send you dude the kid that we sponsor in like austria mm-hmm. he we get letters monthly from him and from the organization telling us where every dollar went to he bought school clothes and school books or this or that like it but you don't you get an end of the year meeting with the church but they don't tell you where every dollar went and how much money your pastor's making and stuff like that. But enough of that rabbit trail. Um, well, I, I pretty. I, sorry, I, go that, for it. There's a tiny bit of the rabbit trail. I just wanted to dig a little tiny bit deeper. Go for it. And just it, it creates a weird even to do that. Like how much a, a pastor, how much the congregation's willing to pay. It is a charity, and I feel like that's a fair way to do it. Mm-hmm. But then you'd probably get pastors who would be like. I'm sorry, guys, but I can't afford to live on that, so I'm going to have to quit being your pastor. And then that's weird because that like puts pressure on the congregation. Like, well, but but we like you, so we'll pay you a little bit more. And then he might be like, well, that's still not enough. I really am looking to live a different lifestyle. I love you guys. And then it be, it gets to this weird spot where you're like, but you're supposed to be called and just make whatever we pay you and like. That's not fair. Like a human should just be able to like, I want to make as much money as I'd like to make. Yeah. I'm sorry. But uh, for, for me, it just, whether you vote on it or a pastor decides how much he makes to have financial dependence built up in the charity of others creates a very unhealthy like structure where you're just dependent on others charity. Cause then you're like, you can be upset if, if they don't give enough, you could make decisions that you wouldn't normally make based on finances. Yeah. That's why I respect that guy who's at AT&T is because like Apostle Paul, the greatest pastor of every pastor that's ever pastored in the pastoring history of pastoring. Truth. <laughs> made tense. He was like, yeah, that's cool, bro. I don't need your money. Yeah. And that is extra healthy, I feel like. I mean, even look at uh, like Pastor Tad over at the rock like mm-hmm. he works counselor jobs he works a couple different jobs on the side and i remember going to a service over there and he's like hey if you guys ever need to get a hold of me for anything call me on my phone because i'm literally never here i'm mm-hmm. always off in another job doing something else but i will gladly answer the phone and talk to you and he was a super humble super cool dude if there weren't so many people connected to living water from the rock i probably would have like went over there but everyone's kind of like intermingled oh, kind yeah. of with that. But but that's all I wanted to say is that just like even even the best financial strategies, if you're dependent upon others' charity, it just makes for an ugly situation yeah. in my opinion. No, I agree, man. Yep. I, and that's, that's kind of the problem. I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times on here, but that's kind of the issue that we have with it all. I mean, because you need to make a living. You need to get by. But at the same time, if you're, if you're trying to be a pastor – it's not necessarily about making a ton of money. Like the the goal isn't to get 
as rich as you can because you it's weird it's a weird dynamic because you want to survive but at the same time you are living off charity yeah and i mean so you don't want to abuse charity but you do want to get by yeah like you want to make enough money to pay your bills and even go on vacations or something if you want to but at the same time like this is people's hard-earned money that they're giving you do you really want to just absorb it all yourself and see, the thing is that, like, if you're a pastor who wants to live off the charity of others, if you're not willing to give that up and you're like, no, my bill should be paid by the people that I'm serving, that's totally fine. But you have to promise me that you are in no way going to be upset if if that m- amount decreases. You're never going to make a decision to, to increase that. Like, mm-hmm. that can't be a motivating factor or else it's all n- nasty. You have to really be willing to like, I will be borderline homeless, but I will be supported by the church. You know, like if you are a type of person who has, this is the amount of money I want to make, living off of the tithe is not for you. I mean, honestly, you know what I mean? I kind of question like if the full-time pastor thing is really like, just based off all the harm I've seen is really like a valid thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, do we really, do I really need somebody to constantly be at the church, constantly putting different sermons together every week? And I understand there's a lot of that a pastor does, but maybe like more people can do that. Other, like, it, maybe it doesn't have to be a one man job where. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, what is this? You know, like, maybe it doesn't have to be like. Spreading the, the influence. I am the pastor. I do all the teaching. I do all the preaching. Oh, I have all the yeah. authority. Fair. I make all the house calls. I, you know, like. Yeah, no, that's good. That there, there could be more people to do that than just one guy who runs the show. And. Totally it, agree. It puts 100%. way. 100%. Yeah. And it puts way too much pressure on that one person. Yeah. There's a reason that like 50% of pastors or something like that end up quitting their jobs or not retiring compassion fatigue yeah yeah (laughs) they need sabbaticals (laughs) but anyways there's a reason for that because you put too much pressure on them and they are under a microscope i understand Mm -hmm. but the answer for that isn't they need a higher salary it's remove the microscope (laughs) yeah agree agree because i understand like they're going through a lot like even the guy i was talking to at work he works full-time at AT&T, and he goes home, and he's doing house calls and going to talk to people at his church, and he's putting together sermons in his head, and he's, you know, he's doing a lot. He's working two full-time jobs. Yeah. But he's not getting paid crap for being a pastor, which kind of sucks. It but does. to me, that shows that they need to re-delegate some of that, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean... If he's got the balls to handle it all, I mean, let him handle it all. He's making his own money. He's doing what he feels he's called to do. Like, yeah. he can do that because I think he's doing it the right way financially. Like, he has the money he needs. He doesn't need their money. And he's just really making a sacrifice. It's honorable. But I agree if that's too much stress for him, he doesn't need to quit his job and be supported by the church. He needs helpers, disciples, or, mm-hmm. you know, for a lack of a better word, to help him with that. Yeah, I feel like words are starting to get less. <sighs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I feel think like I'm starting I th- to get to that place. I think I just stop, stop caring about words. And yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> it's all, all of the, the ick has worn off of almost all of those, all the words. Yeah. I remember yeah. I couldn't even say disciple for a long Cause time. Cause it just brought up memories of like, I know. Hook. I know that was, that was the response every time. I imagine. <laughs> have you seen the gif of uh, Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber where he's like ready to barf? He's like, oh, oh. Uh, hanging out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so it's so funny, man. That's me. That was me. Whenever the word disciple, disciple. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. That, anyways, that's all I had, man. Just yeah, no, that was a good. conversation with a pastor I had this week, and it was really eye opening. And I'm. I don't know. I think I'm ready to go back to church. I've been ready for whoa, a while. Whoa. But I just WTF, haven't. WTF, bro. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just haven't been making it a priority, but I really, I want to. So. 
If you want to go to a church with a lot of old people and a young pastor, you should <laughs> come to Glad Tidings with us. Hey, how's the worship <laughs> over there? Uh, we'll save that for another episode. We'll save that for another episode. We're still praying about it. <laughs> no, I mean, it. it is what it is, man. It's, uh, it's, yeah. I just heard you and Josh talking about it. Yeah, so. no, we... It, for me, like, maybe I just have too high standards. I was talking to Josh about this. Maybe I just have, have too high standards for what worship should be, and I'm spoiled. But it's, uh, sometimes, you know, if worship just isn't your thing, like the songs, you don't know them, and the style of music, and the there's just things that you're not comfortable with, sometimes silence is better, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, maybe I'm just, uh, it's probably a personal issue, but for me, I can't get down right now. <laughs> with yeah. the, but... I'm dealing with that in my personal life. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? I okay. hear you. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know where we're at on time. Where, where are we at? 45 minutes. Okay, we could cool. end it here and be good. I literally talked the whole podcast. That's a first. Hey, man. It is what it is. That's first. It was good, it was good talking. Because normally I would interrupt you, but I didn't this time. That's why you did all the talking. Normally yeah. I'm just like, and then this other thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my uh it's unfortunate but i do it so much and i apologize keith you got a pastor's heart just to interrupt everybody and say something <laughs> better than they're saying that's, that's exactly what... <laughs> exactly or just to reiterate what they said yeah absolutely say it in a better way so so what you're saying is what you're saying is more clearly and concisely no <laughs> so i'm gonna say this in a better way that you said it yeah. and this is what you're meaning right Oh yeah, dude. That's me all day. That is me. Um, no, I thought that we could talk about because uh, Jane on the Pilgrims and Prodigals group brought up a good point. Yeah, yeah. Asked us asked a really good question and no one commented. So instead of commenting, I figured we just do a podcast. Let's about talk about it. it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got your back, Jane. We're, yeah, heck yeah. We're about to answer right now in the form of an episode. Hey, quick note. I just had seven cavities filled. Ooh, gosh, dang. Mm-hmm. That's that's. In two- uh, Two, oh, get out of here, Fortnite. In two weeks, I had seven cavities filled. That's intense. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, Fortnite is like the greatest game ever created. PUBG. I, I, oh my gosh, PUBG. yeah. If you want to spend an hour and a half to win, PUBG's legit. PUBG. If you want to play sweet games and get wins every 25 minutes, no. Fortnite is the Smurf boy. Fortnite's for 12-year-old boys. That's so true. There's plenty of 12-year-old boys on there like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. Come revive me. And you're like out in the middle of the street like, yeah, you're dead because you're bad. (laughs) Dude, dude. So uh, I I was playing Fortnite probably a few months ago with these random kids. Because it's good. And they invited me to their party and they're like, hey, what's up? Oh, God. And just shot me and they're like, all right, we're going to get you up. But uh, you have to do the worm, all right? Oh my! We're the worm police. You gotta do the worm. Oh, geez, like, that would make me quit. I'm like, the game. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know how to do the worm. <laughs> that would, that would make me quit the game. It's dude. okay, you can play with us. Oh and then they kept shooting me. God. And then when the game was over, they're like, "Hey, bro, hey, bro, you're gonna play with us again? No, we'll you invite you to our game." <laughs> jerks, I hate you. Oh yeah, that's bad. They don't have friendly fire anymore. Let's for go that play sp- Minecraft, guys. For that specific <laughs> reason, they don't have. Uh, uh, I'm looking for the freaking. I'm almost there. Almost there. Bam. Okay, I got the post pulled up. So, the question was posed, everybody. Uh, I just distracted the crap out of you guys. You didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben, take it away. Okay. So, question posed. So, I've only taken a quick look at this, but this morning I was curious as to if there is a difference between the meaning of obedience in the Old Testament and New Testament. Obedience seems like such a harsh rule-following word, like the way a dog is supposed to respond to its owner. So, I looked it up, and I find it interesting that the only times in the Gospels that any connotation of the word obey is used is when natural elements or impure spirits are to obey the authority of Jesus, or when we tell a, like when we tell a mulberry tree to be uprooted and planted in the sea, it will obey us. And after okay. reading some in Romans, it seems that obedience is found in in being the response to faith. Then the definition in the Webster's is compliance or following the guidance of. It seems to me that the position and direction of your heart towards Jesus—it's a—it's about the position and direction of your heart towards Jesus. Thoughts. Bam. Those, those are thoughts. 
Those oh the thoughts with a question mark. Like what are your thoughts? Oh. <laughs> so yeah. I you have do you have a response? Because I, I kind of looked at it and studied it a little bit. Go ahead. Okay. Uh I looked I it up it. in the Greek to try and figure it out, and that was inconclusive because the words in the Old Testament and New Testament are pretty much the same. Like do what it says, uh observe. You know, that the, there's not a big difference when it comes to like the etymology of those words between the big word i know the old and new testament but i think the difference is definitely in perspective okay of obedience like for example in the new testament uh in john 14 15 it says if you love me obey my commandments uh so Mm -hmm. and then later in the same thing it says like if you obey my commandments you'll abide in my love and so on and so forth I think that in the Old Testament, it was the covenant was obedience. Like, do what I say and we'll be chill and good. Whereas in the New Testament, it's more about like, Jesus did it, so we're chill and good. Have faith in that. You yeah. know, like, it's a, it's a grace covenant where like, it's been done. Now, trust and follow versus do I mean, what I say. You know what I mean? Or it's like... Uh... That one verse where uh, it says, uh, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Yeah. But when we, I don't necessarily think that's the way that verse should be interpreted. I think it's because when the way you can look at that is if you love me, you'll do my commands. If you care about me, you'll do what I say. Yeah. But I think it's what what Jesus was saying there is if you have love for me, you'll want to obey me. You'll want yeah, to. I think that's the way it should be interpreted. I think it's, yeah, it's like legalistic to look at it the other way is that like, you yeah, don't prove love your, me, prove you, your love to me by obedience. You don't love me unless you obey my commandments. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that itself doesn't sound. No. While that might be true. You know what I mean? That's not what Jesus is communicating. That's not the place Jesus is coming from. He's saying mm-hmm. that like, I loved you first and now you loved me because of that. Obey my commandments. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I feel like in the old Testament obedience was like man reaching for God. Mm. And then in the new Testament, God took care of it and reached out to us. He did the hard work and then was like, so we're cool, right? Now we can be, it's, it's, it's more relational. Like, yeah. Rather than like, 100% 100% more relational in the New Testament. It's based on your yep. relationship with God that you just trust and follow. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I agree. Because with the whole New Testament covenant, it's a law written on the heart and not on the stones anymore. So it's it's all it everything comes down to a heart issue. So Yeah. If I'm if I want to be closer to God or if I want to be like all I can be for God um or whatever, like I, it's not by me doing a whole bunch of good stuff and then God seeing me and saying, okay, I guess you do love me. But yeah, I, exactly. it's, it's, I think it's the other way around. It's like, cause I remember when I was like, like really crazy in the church and, um, being like the, this awesome Christian and doing everything the Bible says and not sinning at all and blah, blah, blah. And being this perfect person, you know, prospectively on the outside. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, my heart was, was there. So if I were to be trying to do that now on the obedience side of it, that's not where my heart is at. It would be me doing a whole bunch of fake stuff, trying to look like the person that I want to be. Cause where I'm at right now, it's like, I'm not trying to do a bunch of fake phony stuff because I don't even know where I'm at. I'm not trying to be this perfect christian because i'm not a perfect christian i I believe in god i believe jesus is real i believe he died for my sins but i'm not trying to act like this dude who's got it all together because anyone who knows me knows that i don't at all yeah so i think the thing is you have to be real with who you are if you're someone who's like really into church and that culture and the whole, you know, purity from sin culture and like trying to be like just the best Christian you can be. If that's like your legit self, I say go for it as long as you're doing it with a good heart. Because 
Yeah, if I did. I did it with. Love, a, we did it with a good heart. Yeah, like when I'm when I was living my whole life like that, it was all because I wanted to be closer to God. I wasn't trying to show myself better better than anybody. But, like I said, that's not me right now. Yeah. So if I were to try to do that now, it would be fake. Yeah, it wouldn't be out of love. It wouldn't be like if you love me, obey. It would be like. Because I think I'm supposed to, I obey your commandments. Exactly. If I love you. Because I'm trying to earn your love. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's, that's it, it talks a lot about it in many different places in the Bible. But I think that the perspective given by the entire New Testament is that it doesn't have anything to do with the letter of the law anymore. It doesn't like, yeah. like before it was like, did you do it wrong? Then we're not good. You know what I mean? Jesus just came yeah. and simplified the F out of it. He, he was yeah, like, he, did. he was like, oh, obey my commandments. And they're like, what's the greatest commandment? And he's like, you just love God and people. And people are like, oh, dang, we, we were trying way too hard. We was like <laughs> not eating shrimp. And we was like wearing <laughs> right. garments made out of the same cloth and stuff. I mean, my grandpa has been quarantined for 18 days because <laughs> we found mildew in his house. I didn't know. Oh, like, I didn't know. <laughs> They're like, so I just kind of love God and people. <laughs> Grandpa, you can come out. It's okay. The mildew isn't going to send us to hell. Take off the potato sack. You can put regular clothes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, <laughs> they're like, wait, don't kill that goat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that I think in the same way that's really relatable to people's lives is I think there's a lot of goats they're killing and grandpas they're exiling and, you know, like, uh, like sackcloth that they're wearing that's not necessarily mm-hmm. obedience anymore because obedience has been redefined. It's like, just following a law. Yeah, you're just following something that isn't – it's not the commandment anymore to do the things that you ought to do. It's follow Jesus. Well, look at it's it this way. It's been redefined. It's not – you know what I mean? Like For sure. Well, look at it this way. Like when I'm driving – I do my best to obey the speed limit. Yeah. Not that I always do. Sure. But I do my best to obey the speed limit. Not because I love the speed limit, because I not that I think it's great. I do it because it's the law. Yeah. But that's that's not how we we can't look at God like that. Exactly. He's not that's just a great a, way to put it. God is not just a law that we have to follow because otherwise we'll be punished. Yeah. And we're trying to prove our love to the law. I mean, he's different than that. So. Yeah, we're not we're not trying to. I guess it's not that we're proving our love to Jesus, but we are definitely developing a relationship by mm-hmm. like like a relationship has healthy boundaries, and those boundaries aren't there because they're the law. The boundaries on the Christian life are there because it's love, yeah. not because it's law. Um, I mean, like if you if you know if you get to know Jesus. You want to stay in a relationship with the guy because he's freaking lit. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the the obedience that comes from that is just trying to get closer to him, not not mm-hmm. escape judgment. Yeah. It, like, one the judgment's already been dealt with. Jesus drank destruction to the dregs, and that's not the issue anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and and one person's one person's dedication may look different than another. And that's okay. And that's totally okay. Yeah. Where I'm at right now, I definitely don't. If I'm here forever, I am. I definitely don't think I am going to be. You know, at some point, I think I'm going to take a step further, get back into things and see where God takes me. But, you know, I don't think God loves me any less. I don't think I'm any less of a Christian because of where I am. Because, you know, I'm okay with things that some Christians aren't or lifestyles that some Christians aren't. And because I'm not praying every day and reading my Bible every day and going to church every Sunday, I don't think I'm any less of a Christian because of that. It's just where I'm at right now. So, yeah. And I don't think I'll be here forever. I think eventually I'll get through this valley. Yeah. Get through this valley. Yep. And work my way to another valley. Because that's just (laughs) full of valleys. (laughs) All right. Yep. It's all about the valleys, yep. man. Going through the valleys. <laughs> we'll be coming around the mountain when we... You're either in a valley, <laughs> you're headed toward a valley, or you're coming out of them. Where yeah, did that come yeah. from? Uh, you were think, talking about that one day. I think that you? was... Uh, uh, I think that's... Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, oh, 
Come on, I know this. Uh, I know this. Elevation. Ooh. What's what's his... We don't hate pastors anymore. We can't even think of his name. I know. It used to be like I keep wanting to say Sean Folk, but it's No, not... dude, no, that guy. He's a hippie. Yeah. No. Awesome. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Oh my gosh. I don't either. Well look, this is this is deep for us. Guys. I think this we're is... taking steps think, forward. Yeah, I think forgiveness is setting in. I think our we... pastor bashing days are. Yeah, we don't even remember end. the names of pastors we used to <laughs> make fun of. This is great. This is beautiful let's see it wasn't perry noble no nope uh, uh i anyone who watched it wasn't carl lentz no it wasn't carl lentz you know what pastor it's i can't make Joel fun of Osteen. <laughs> i can't make fun of bill johnson bill johnson yeah i don't think so at bethel I mean, I, he's kind of got a goofy personality mm-hmm. but i really can't disagree with anything they're doing out there i don't know any of it personally but I know they're doing a lot for the community, and I know they're all about the signs and wonders and miracles. But yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't. I don't it's even... weird to someone who you know what doesn't is, believe in it. But it's crazy is that so many times that that stuff is like faked or whatever. Like all the mm-hmm. stuff, like you can't prove miracles are real, blah blah. And like you know what, you're right, man. I can't just go outside and like wow, heal the guy out of a wheelchair. I can't. <laughs> Only I, if you do it like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I, sure, I can't demonstrate that. But like, I've heard so many people's testimonies of stuff that's not popular, not famous. Like, like, uh, uh, I talked to Jonathan Bowles, that guy from California. Yeah. Started the 220i internship. Like when he was running that thing, like interns would bring back wheelchairs. Like they were like, hey, can we keep this wheelchair? And after they prayed for someone to be healed and they brought the wheelchair back, like, you know, I suck. don't, I don't, I, if it like wore off, <laughs> yes. they're like, oh, this kid took my wheelchair. Like uh. he took the wheelchair <laughs> into the van, drive away. And the guy's like, I'm free. Yeah. Uh. Oh, dang it. <laughs> no. But like, there was like, what motivation is there to lie about that? And how can you really refute that? Like we took yeah. someone's cast, we took someone's wheelchair i mean where they didn't just go buy wheelchairs like something probably happened there you know what I'm saying? it's hard to refute those claims of like i mean unless you think those people are just pure liars which i definitely don't you should definitely and you've got to look at it from an unbiased view too and be willing to see if those things would happen in your life because my biggest reasoning for believing in like miracles and stuff is the fact that i've seen them happen yeah, like I can I can look at people I know and trust and, and or don't trust and yeah. make a judgment off that. But my understanding and belief in miracles is purely based off the fact that I've seen it happen. I remember when I first came up here, we went to that conference at that uh, yeah, Hispanic yeah. church. Oh, dude, that was lit. Do you remember bro. the that prophetic teacher? yes that dude was insane that was yeah he's like all right and you uh your mom when you were eight uh she destroyed your favorite toy and uh you need to forgive her for that or something like something crazy you're like how or what is happening right now some spooky ooky spiritual stuff like (laughs) this guy was either demonic or angelic (laughs) But you can't deny that it some was, spiritual stuff was happening. Yeah, because this guy was definitely not like doing background research on us. He was like, "No, not, he's like, what's your name?" Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know anyone at this church that we went to, and yeah, he and it wasn't knew. just vague things. It wasn't like you're struggling with porn, or <laughs> you have depression, or your mom left you, or some. I don't know. It wasn't just random vague things. It was like specific, yeah. like. When you were when you were ten and you had that purple shirt on that you loved and it got a rip what, in it. What? And then the people like are just people's mouths were hitting the floor like seriously. Oh my God. Yeah. No, mine was whenever he talked to me, it was pretty vague. So I can't I can't say I had the same exact experience, yeah. but I saw it happening. You know what I mean? He was yeah. like, You love to preach the gospel, don't you, son? And I was like, Hey, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. That's young Ben. <laughs> I was definitely like 20 years old. I still talk like, oh, yeah, that's me. 
Uh, good times, kids, man. Yeah, and then I had kids. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm a dad. Hey, what's up? What's up? I got to grow a beard now. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the freaking death metal band in high school, and I was still like, yeah! Like, <laughs> all right. Well, Keith, I think this has been a good episode. Yep, I've worked in the morning, so I have to hop off here. Oh, that's true. Dang, I'm sorry yeah. for that. It's all good. <laughs> Anyways, right, here's hoping for good more conversations with the pastor. More good mm-hmm. conversations. Yeah, I'll let you guys know if I have any good ones with them. Anyways, Jane, thanks for the post. For the content. For the content. <laughs> you were totally the reason for half of this podcast, so yeah, thank you. At least the topics, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to hop off here, guys, but we love you, and we'll see you the next time we get an episode up. Yeah, and you're welcome for an appropriately length, measured Time yes. Info podcast. This is one hour, five minutes. It's yeah. not even close. This to is two this hours. is like diet pilgrims and prodigals right here. It is. <laughs> it's usually right. like an hour forty five. All right. Peace uh, out, bro. We're gonna end up going an hour forty five with bro, this. Brother. Okay, bro. we're done. See ya, bro.